welcome back to the Transformation Gold Podcast. I am your hostess and your coach. This is Nicole DeVincennes. Awesome as always to be here with you and even more awesome to have you here with us. We are in the middle of a series uh, talking about muscular development. So previous episode was episode 150. It was an introduction to muscular development. Um, this is going to be obviously episode 151. We're going to be talking a little bit more about the finer points of muscular development and you know what does that mean for you when shaping up your physique to be both the athletic and the aesthetic machine that you want it to become whatever that looks like for you. So your goals are always important. So we opened up the last part of this, the, the last episode talking about what muscular development is. And with us, muscular development is, again, to repeat, it's that umbrella term that covers all athletic goals, both performance and aesthetic, whether this is overt muscle acquisition, you know, strength, conditioning, endurance, explosivity, agility, mobility, flexibility, balance, control, coordination, all of those things, they all fall underneath the heading of muscular development. And then muscular development in and of itself has three pillars to it. There's the training, there's the nutrition, and then there is the recovery. So all three, they all work together. One feeds into the other one. A lot of people think that muscular development, you know, is like trying to make you into a bodybuilder. It is not. It is literally leveraging your body's muscle systems, all of the hormones, your nervous system, like all of the goodness to shape your physique so that it looks how you want it to look, but also so that it it performs, I think, better than you ever even thought that it could. It's, It's high level athleticism. And the cool thing about it is that wherever you are, that's your beginning. That's your starting point. It doesn't matter what other people are doing. The reality is that when you dive in and you do the work, you eat how you're supposed to be eating, you follow your, you know, your, your recovery program protocol, you get the results and you will continuously, you know, part of it is you're always making progress, which you're getting results. First, usually you start feeling better, like your energy levels start climbing, um, then you want to start moving. And so you'll notice like, oh, I have all this excess energy and I, I want to start moving now. So you start moving. Then you'll notice like, ah, oh, gosh, what I, for a lot of people, like my feet are tight or my back is tight or my knees are tight or I don't have endurance. It's hard for me to, you know, I can't walk for very far or very fast or whatever. There's always two types of people. There's like rip the bandaid off people that's actually me. Um, I like to just shoot, like bite off the big piece of it, go at it, attack it. It's messy. It takes, you know, a little while for me to, you know, wrestle everything down and get it all organized, but I like it that way. And then there's other people who are more kind of like gently peel the bandaid off piece by piece, work in different elements of a new program or a new, you know, habit or discipline and get that under their belt and and they're moving forward. But either way, like the name of the game, whichever, you know, 
is your primary like operating system here um the name of the game is that you're making progress and with muscular development no if you're just stepping into this you know as the first like a, a brand new newbie you're not able to fling a lot of weight around. You may not even be at the point where you're lifting weights yet. For you, perhaps your your entry point is literally we're starting with some habits of consistency with your nutrition and your hydration. And then we're working on mobility. And then through that, we discover like, oh my gosh, like I'm seriously tight over here. Or when I walk, I notice that I'm leaning one particular way. Or I notice when I look in the mirror, like it seems like one shoulder is higher than the other or you know my doctor has told me that my my spine is not straight or you know, like different stuff and there's no other explanation for it. it's not like you have one leg that's longer than the other like there's always things that you can do to improve your status and your stature and the thing with muscular development is that there's <laughs> I, we laugh because we say the work is never done but the cool thing is that there's always more to do so when you get to, you know, what you perceive is like a peak, you know, you're lifting heavy or you, you know, have your physique dialed in a certain way, then you're, you kind of look over here and you're like, well, gosh, this is great. I'm looking how I like to look, but man, maybe I'm not as strong as I was six months ago. I'm going to work on strength or now I'm going to incorporate different skills. Now I'm going to be working on suspended, you know, kind of like calisthenics. I'm going to be learning how to flagpole or I, I don't know, I'm going to be doing you know, handstand push-ups or, or something crazy. And the really awesome thing is that as you're doing this, this is what is, I, I come from a nursing background, like healthcare background. So I'm all about like optimizing the human body. And I love the nervous system. When you are training athletically, and this is in the gym, this is out of the gym, this is you're at a park running, you're doing yoga, whatever this is that you're doing, you're actually constantly training and retraining your brain to stay young, to stay vital, youthful, engaged, bright. You know, you're not like having the, the case of the aging droopsies, like you're you're with it all the time and not that you have to work you know so hard until you know your dying day but i think there's something to be said when you are around people who you know have a lot of decades of years underneath their belt but you're able to have a very intelligent and fun conversation with them they still have a lot of spunk they still are up and they're moving um my grandparents, my great grandparents owned a farm and they worked on the farm. And up until my great grandpa died before my great grandma, my grandma, my great grandma lived into her nineties. That woman, man, I mean, she was like sharp. I mean, sharp and strong and mobile. And she wasn't as fast as she was in her youth. Cause she didn't, you know, run around the farm, but she literally, I mean, she was strong and there's a lot to be said about that. Like if everyone is going to be living longer, well, you might as well enjoy it. I mean, what's the point if you hit a retirement age and now all of a sudden you have time, but you're not able to physically travel or 
play with your grandchildren or great-grandchildren. You know, it just, it seems like it's a bunch of nonsense to me. So, you know, muscular development, there are habits that begin, you know, at any time of your life. You know, hopefully you're starting this, you know, in your youth and then you're carrying it out through decades. But even if you're starting this, you know, last podcast I was talking about a 96-year-old grandma who she was tired of breaking her her vertebrae in her back when she would fall down. So she, she went to a gym, she hired a trainer, and now she's actually, she was deadlifting. I mean, she's just like, she's this little like bird leg, little 96 year old grandma. She's a tiny little thing. And she was deadlifting with the big bar. And she had, you know, a 25 pound plate on each side. It doesn't sound like a lot of weight, but she had never done it before. She's 96 years old and she's like, you know, this tiny little lady, there she goes. It gets never too late for you. And that's what's so, for me, vitally exciting. And really in the world of muscular development, it's awesome because it keeps you vibrant and youthful and vital. And you know, I love life. It like, like it keeps you living life. But it also helps you to weather storms. And so whether the storm comes in the version of an injury, um, this happened, you know, both to myself and there's a client of mine, um, she, her dog, she was out walking her dog and there was another dog in the neighborhood that kind of came running. She's got a big dog, came running towards her dog and then her dog I don't know, it happened so fast. She ultimately just got knocked over from the leash that her dog was on. She goes, and oh my God, she was like, I bounced. And she's 50 right now. She's like, I literally just bounced. She goes, I have a couple, you know, scratches, scrapes on my hands or whatever, but I'm actually okay. Like, why? Because of all the muscular development training that we do, whether it's sprinting or weight training, it's stretching, it's it's myofascial release, it's it's all of the things that we do that keep your body just humming along. And same thing with me. You know, I laugh, you know, I'm I'm the rip the band-aid off type of, of girl and I love to train really hard and really heavy and very exertionally. You know, I don't I don't usually train with anybody else because I've never met anybody who can usually keep up with me for the intensity and the duration at which I train. Um, And I'm good with that because it's my own time. You know, I'm the psycho who goes, I always say this, like I like to, when I train, it's like I'm going into hell and I'm going in there and I'm staying in there and it should be time for me to leave, but I want to stay in there longer because there's more work to do. And I just want the people in hell, the demons in hell and the little crybaby inside of my brain sometimes to realize who's in charge around here. Okay. And I decide when I'm leaving hell, you don't get to like, you know, dominate me. And then, you know, that's, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just like more of it. I like to be like in physical training hell. That's it. Not the rest of my life, physical training hell. And then, you know, shut the damn door and then move on and and go do fun stuff. Point being is that just this past year, I was doing outdoor training, which I encourage for everybody. I, I, for me, I can't stand running on a treadmill. I'll do it if need be. Um, Stairmaster also the elliptical. I, there's a time and place, but for me, I've purposely trained myself to embrace outdoor training in all 
weather, <laughs> including winter. It's not fun. But it was summertime and I was training at one of my favorite locations where there's hills and there's like these concrete, they're, they're actually not even concrete, they're like stone inlaid steps. And I was doing, so they go up and they're kind of wide um, and deeper. So they're deep enough that you can't necessarily go like one foot, like you can't alternate feet on the steps. They're just, they're too long for that. But when you're running, I was actually not just running, I was doing kind of like a grapevine movement up these steps. I clipped my heel. I don't even know what. I, it would happen so fast. I fell and I bounced and I got up and I kept on going. And it made me think of the times when you see athletes, you know, guys on the football field or wherever they are. It's almost like they bounce and they get back up in a way and they keep going. There wasn't like a full tackle. They just like keep going. And it didn't shock me because I knew that's what should happen, but it was almost kind of like, well, this is actually really cool. Like I had a scrape on my leg. That's what agitated me because I like to wear cute shoes in the summer. And then just the place where it was, you could totally see the scrape and I was just like, but <laughs> if that's the worst problem that I have, I think that I'm doing okay. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, but back into the world of muscular development, like it really is from a prevention standpoint. Um, I mentioned before and a little bit earlier that I come from a, the medical industry. And one of the things that you see when you are working, uh, and I worked taking care of like the sickest of the sick and the, and the most critically injured of the most critically injured people, sometimes both things. Um, and I worked in emergency setting and intensive care settings. And you, what you usually see is that individuals who have medical emergencies and traumatic injuries, there's so much that goes into their recovery um, and how how fast they're able to make a recovery is a lot based on what their body was, the shape of their body before the illness or the injury happened to them. But the longer you're out of commission, whether you're on bed rest or you're not able to be up and as active as you were before, a couple things start happening to you. One of which is you're very prone to developing pneumonia and you know having all kinds of complications from that. The other thing is that you're also prone to developing blood clots because you're not able to move around all the place. So if someone were to fall and, you know, break their arm or dislocate their shoulder or whatever, and they're not able to get in and out of bed, or, you know, nowadays you have surgery and you go home, you know, how do you go about doing this so that number one, you can still do like your activities of daily living, you know, up, go to the bathroom, brush your teeth, go to the refrigerator, whatnot but also so that you don't have complications associated with that illness or the injury. So what I'm saying is that the better you are to start with, you know, and I'm not saying like train so that you're expecting to get sick or injured. I'm just saying in the event that it happens to you, you're going to start from a position of power and also it's going to help you in your recovery. So a lot of the things that I do when I'm working with clients, and these days I'm mostly coaching women, 
and I have coached women who started out actually in that situation, like in intensive care unit, there was a, a nurse that I, <laughs> excuse me, it's so crazy. I, I won't even, it's a long story. I do not have an illness or an injury. It was, a uh, the guy next to me was in the next, uh, condo over was cooking and he left his stuff unattended and created this big smoke thing and smoke inhalation injury ridiculous so now I just have like this little bit of a triggered cough thing it's annoying more than anything else anyway um this nurse consulted me and she was sitting in ICU not able to really walk around so well she had all these medical issues and she was sitting there saying to herself I need to do something different. So she actually consulted me to come and work with her nutritionally while she's sitting there in ICU coming from her major illnesses um, to have a healthier way of life. And then eventually, you know, just over the course of like 12 weeks, once she was out of the hospital, of course, we got her onto the Pilates reformer and, you know, she was making just really great strides. You know, I've worked with women who have had elective surgeries. Um, the cool thing is that when you start having, I call it becoming more comfortable in your skin and you are really excited about both the athletic progress that you're making and the aesthetic gains and progress that you're making, it, it heightens your levels of confidence where a lot of these girls are actually then wanting to remove some of the plastic surgery implants that they had, um, their breast implants. Um, now, a couple of the girls were having some of the inflammatory issues from the implants, and other girls were just like, you know what, I, I'm taking these bad boys out. And what we did was leading up to the surgery, knowing that they weren't going to be moving around as well as they should be, we developed some you know strong training programs where we started having them practice getting up and off of getting up and down from the floor without using their arms in preparation for surgery and then what are we going to do to be sure you know that the fascia is all nice and soft and and loosey-goosey so that post-operatively when the scar tissue starts building up inside of there they're going to be able to move through that recovery you know time period rather quickly and then once we're back in the gym they're not going to have made you know 20 steps backwards so there's like all these different ways to go about you know curating and and basically designing a program for you and it's never I'm not a coach that likes excuses I understand that life happens and so I've had girls who and not just girls like grown women who have had long commutes where they even though wanted to be in a gym setting because they like weight training let's say five days a week just the nature of the commute is like 90 minutes you know train to a bus and then walking you know in the elements including you know like we live in Chicago right now the winters of Chicago it just got to be too much and so what we did was we tailored a workout program to be three days in the gym instead of five and then did some things at home to facilitate recovery and allow for a little bit more of a of a rest and a true recovery 
because the five day, it just was too brutal. So we started building compound workouts for those women. And so there's all these different ways that you can go and style different training programs for yourself so that, again, you're not taking back steps, you're continually making progress forward and you're starting to feel better. You're really starting to look better. And, you know, everyone wants to, you know, I'm sure that, you know, everyone will want to have, you know, that fitness token be in the first position. And it's not always possible to have it in the first position, but it doesn't mean that you still can't have intense, you know, productive, effective workouts and get the level of result that you're looking for. Okay, it's, it's not like making excuses. It's how, what's the reasonable, you know, borderline, you know, between not enough activity and you're expecting results and doing too much stuff and you're like burning the candle at both ends. So that's, that's a conversation typically that will happen with you and your coach, which is why we always recommend coaching along with you know, if you have any of our courses or our programs, you're buying work off uh, workouts off the internet from, you know, our academy, they're there and you, if you're of that type and, and you can get the work done, that's great. A lot of times the coach, and we don't coach, I call it, we it's coaching without codependency. We're not here to be your accountability partner. We're here to continuously provide you with the strategies so that you continuously go and you grow. And then as your goals become more refined and more shaped, and sometimes there's different goals and and things, we combine the package, if you would, to include things like champion mindset coaching or command your emotionality. Like there's so much to our academy that is, it helps you, like your health is the vehicle for your life. And so it really helps you build a super strong foundation. And I firmly, like from the bottom of my heart, and this is not meant as a disrespectful token to men in any way, it's women are usually nurturers and we're the ones who do a lot of teaching and I know that there's you know single fathers and again I'm not I'm, I'm not going down the avenue of if a man is falling short of this this is not even about that I'm speaking right now to women whose hearts are properly postured is that you're always looking out for the best interest of the people in your family and if you have children like you're looking to always teach them and guide them and show them good things for themselves so that they have life skills and that you're not just you know making life so easy for them that when they get out into the real world they're not going to know what to do like they're going to have to figure out how they're going to be contributing towards that really like civilization they're going to have to have life skills fitness is a large part of that because again there's still people who love manual labor and who will be in service oriented jobs where they're working there's also going to be you know tech is not going anywhere anytime soon i don't believe and so there's still going to be like that need to instill those really great habits of health and nutrition and fitness and recovery like time off of tech 
because of how prominent it truly is like this this goes back to just like bare bones and so with our academy getting back to the point at hand is it's not ever meant to remain just for you because we are a very purpose and contra- like contribution oriented academy where you take the things that we teach you like women are multipliers this is common knowledge you take you know one thing and you can turn it into this big giant beautiful masterpiece that you know no one else people don't have the power to do that like you you take a seed and you, and you grow a baby like there's all really great things that a woman can do and that's really how our our academy rolls is you learn the skills and you fortify yourself but the intent and the motivation behind everything is still to be externally focused and again not to the point where this is codependent this is not to the point where you're giving and you're not teaching people how to step up with you it's it's teaching people how to make their way in the world how to be active contributing citizens of you know this country or their respective country do do you see what i'm saying without being a drain and we all of our coachings and trainings like it fosters all of that stuff like that's the vastness of it that's the depths of it but it begins with you because you know like me and a lot of other women we were taught we just had bad habits and I learned you know a lot like I'm an avid reader and I'm not opposed and I actually try a lot of different stuff you know there was a magazine that I used to read a long time ago I don't even know if it's still around called muscular development and it was really geared towards men body like male bodybuilders there was a small little section for women um but I would I was you know reading their instructions what were they saying about nutrition to kind of get some habits and ideas to what to do and then I hired a coach and then she taught me some things and then I hit a plateau and I didn't agree with some of her training ways and I didn't I wanted to I wanted to go next level so I hired a different coach had tremendous success with him but nutritionally I still felt that there was more out there and so I went to the top and I hired one of the best coaches in the world when it comes to female physique but actually He's also a very strong proponent about female athleticism. And for him, or from him, it was so freeing because he really helped me get on the right track. All the things, and this is not, again, not a discredit to my previous coaches or anything that I had read in any of the magazines leading up along the way. Like every step takes you to the next one. But inside, I always felt, before I hired that that top coach, I always felt restricted. I always felt like, is this really all that there is to any of this? Like, I just feel like there's a lot of rules, but my body is changing and I'm not, like, I don't feel as... I don't feel right like I just didn't feel as I was excited about the aesthetic changes don't get me wrong 
but I didn't feel like I was this great athlete. Like in my mind, when I think about athletes who are cut, I, I think about sprinters, I think about gymnasts, I think about ballet dancers, I think about ice skaters. And I mean, look at their bodies. I mean, all over the, like all these muscles all over the place. And I know some of the ballerinas are like skinny, but they still have like immense control. Like how they get, you know, they're standing there on point and they can get the other foot to go straight up. Like the leg is like next to their ear, straight up in this. How? How do they do this without using a band, without leaning it on a pole? You know what I'm saying? They can do like all these great things and they're athletic. They're jumping through the air and they're twirling around and doing all that like, and the gymnasts, like all of these people, like the way that their bodies are designed, they have the looks, but they have the athleticism behind it. And that's really what I owe. I wanted to have both. And with my bodybuilding, straight bodybuilding coaches, they didn't practice that themselves, so they didn't coach on it. They were great. They got me started. I would not change a thing. I learned so much from them. But I wanted to take my physique to the next level. And well, and I knew that to do that, I had to increase my levels of athleticism. So I hired really one of the best coaches in the world, and he set me straight he like he he gave me his training program excuse me and his nutrition program and again this was for contest prep this is not for like high performance athleticism there's a tangent like a, a little segue here and when he gave me this I you know had he said do you have any questions and I said you know I am not questioning what you told me to do I'm questioning because it's different than what I've done before. Does that make sense? Like I'm not being like, well, I'm not gonna do, no, no. It's like cognitive dissonance. Like this whole entire time I was told to do this. I hired you because I know that you're the best of the best and you're telling me, why, why is, why? What What is going on here? And so he just laid it down. He, he's like, he's from New York and he just said, he's like, girl, you have some bad habits. And I was like, really? And I was relieved. I was so relieved when he said that because inside I knew that they were bad habits. And I was just like, that's why I always felt so stunted and just like restricted. And he let me just train. He's like, girl, I want you doing high intensity cardio. I want you doing that. This is what we got to do. And I was like, really? This is great. Now, granted, when I was with the other two coaches, I was still largely in a, in a strong muscle acquisition program because I didn't start out with enough muscle on my frame in order to compete and, and place very well. So it's, it's a totally different mindset. But with him, I was competing like on a higher, like a national level. So it was totally, I was still in acquisition, but I was a lot in the whole development and, and symmetry and lines and cuts and balance and just like, you know, the, the whole package. But for to be able to have that, it was more than a glass ceiling, but it was just like the whole lid was taken off that I get to do all this stuff. Now it was hard. Don't get me wrong because high intensity cardio 
it's not always fun. You know, for me, I have now trained myself to not only love it, but to actually need it, where I kind of like go into a draw when I don't do it. This was never like this before. Before it was like, I just like to lift heavy stuff and not deal with this whole cardio issue. But part of the reason this is going to um, um, dovetail now into this muscular development thing was that my mobility was not that good, especially around my glutes and my hips and probably my shoulders as well. The mobility, it's different from flexibility. So mobility is like picture, like if you're making big arm circles, like your shoulder joint is, it's a ball and socket joint kind of. Um, moving, it's, well, I guess it's more like a, a golf tee rather than a ball and socket joint. But either way, it's moving around in circles. Whereas like your elbow is more like a hinge. It can only go in a couple, you know, different directions. Your knee can kind of move, but it's more of a hinge joint than like a circular one, if you would. All right. So same thing with your hip, like your hip is a true ball and socket. And that's why these ballerinas can do like leg circles and the leg can go straight up or the gymnast, you know, they can do, you know, these splits on the beam and all of the dancers and they're doing the tangle with their ankle on the on their partner's shoulder and he's dragging her across the floor like how you know but for me it was the mobility aspect and it wasn't until I, I guess even later than that that I I learned that there's a distinction between flexibility which is your muscles ability to kind of like stretch and move and then mobility the ability for your joints to move around freely you know how free is your neck how free is your lower back or are you tight and so that was for me another major 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 breakthrough that helped me for me, my plateau was I was largely quad dominant. I wasn't trap dominant, I was quad dominant. So my quads would get super huge, my calves would get super huge, but my glutes never changed. And when I would squat, I couldn't even feel my glutes. And I would tell my coaches all the time, like, I just don't feel my glutes. And like, well, just keep on squatting. And it just seemed so absurd to me because I'm like, no, Houston, we have a problem. Like, I'm telling you, I don't feel my glutes contracting in there like this. I may have fat on my glutes, but there's like no muscle activity happening inside of there. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so it, it was, it's been this journey and in muscular development, why we include the three pillars, the training, the nutrition, and the recovery is the recovery aspect includes mobility and flexibility. So for some people, like their feet are incredibly tight. Well, if your feet are incredibly tight, that usually means that your ankles are tight. And if your ankles are tight, then the rest of your body all the way up that whole entire chain of you is not ever going to move well. And so if you were to go and attack weights, well, you're going to have some progress, but you're going to hit a plateau super fast because 
your feet are so tight they act as like a tether to the rest of your body so we incorporate a very strong recovery program that allows for a few different things number one it's facilitating mobility and flexibility which is part of recovering your body from a workout um, and allowing it to reset itself in preparation for the next workout but also for other you know elements of living Um, but the more activity that you do the drier your muscles get, the tighter they get, the more little knots you can feel when you're rolling them out if you've ever had the pleasure of doing something like that. And it's it's like kneading, you know, dough in a way. Like it helps you to like knead out any little lumps in the dough, which are your muscles or fascia or something like that, so that you can actually get more bang for your buck when you do turn around and you go to the gym and now you're lifting. It also largely, this is a wonderful thing about mobility and you know recovery programs, is that um, what it does is it exposes little muscles that have never been working before. So your muscle systems, let's talk a little bit about anatomy and physiology here. Your muscle systems all work together, like your shoulders work with your lats and your lats work with your hips and your hips with your glutes and glutes with the quads and quads with the hamstrings, like front and back, right and left, up and down, all the way around the body. And what happens is that if you are in a situation where, let's say you're pretty sedentary, and whether this is you know from childhood or you spent a lot of time in school and you're sitting down or you're just not very active individual and your your muscles in your glutes picture them if you're sitting them on on them all the time picture you know laugh um like when you go to buy chicken at the store and it's not frozen it's chicken that's wrapped up in you know the the regular packages and if they've been stacked upon one another sometimes if you get the the pack of chicken which is on the bottom you can see the indentation from the packs of chicken which are on top of it does that make sense or you know if you stick it in your freezer and you had something else on top of the chicken it will freeze in not flat it'll be kind of like deformed well that's what can happen like to your glutes if you've been sitting on them for prolonged periods of time over the course of months or years or whatever but inside of there you also have nerves and so if the nerves don't have blood flow as they should and you're not up moving around and walking around and doing all this stuff the glutes actually kind of enough to make it very simple they kind of go to sleep well you have other muscles inside of you that come up from your glutes like around your spinal cord like deep 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 core muscles inside of there well if you're sitting usually those deep core muscles do not become engaged you're able to maintain a posture either because you're leaning forward on your forearms or you're sitting back in the chair and now you have muscles that are on the outside of you you know your outermost abdominals or it's your forearms or again your traps are starting to sustain the load of holding you while you're sitting in the chair well over time what usually happens is that you are training your muscles to work in a specific fashion and what i mean by that is let's say you are not used to having your glutes like you can't like if you were to think about 
you know, put your mind in your glutes, like mind muscle connection. And if you can't necessarily feel your glutes, all right, we say there's all different terminology for it. I'm not here to say if it's right or wrong or different, whatever. The mind muscle connection is just not strong. I venture to say that inside your psoas, you also do not have great mind muscle connection. And those two muscle groups together, they get lazy. It's like when you do a group project and there's worker bees, like you're the one who likes to get the work done. And then there's always the one or two people who are schlepping along and not doing the work. Okay. That's what can happen. Like over time as you are working or not working certain muscles in your body. And over time, if you habitually use the same muscles over and over and over again, even to hold yourself up like posture wise in a chair, or if you run a certain way, or if you're squatting a certain way, like this happens at all different levels of movement and athletic performance, you're training those muscles over time to habitually move in the same way. And what they do is they start to become stronger. And then those little muscles in your glutes, and then your innermost core muscles, they just don't have to work anymore. Like they kind of just go to sleep and they just stop working. Well, when we, do, when we start doing the mobility work as part of your recovery program, typically what happens is that those little muscles become exposed. And now, like if you're working on your feet and people are always so blown away by this and it happens every single time. Oh my God, my feet are so sore just from doing these little mobility exercises. Because you have these tiny little muscles in your feet, but you have to use them every day if you are like a walking person, um, that they, they tend to get trained quickly once you start exposing them. But same thing when it comes to your glutes and like your innermost core muscles, the mobility exposes the weakness here. Our muscular development programs are designed to expose the weak muscles and then begin to strengthen them so that you don't have an injury or, you know, have too much lag time be between, you know, exposing them and making any kind of progress. So again, like the, the three facets of muscular development, when you coach and train with us is the training, it's the nutrition and their recovery. Now, the other aspect of the recovery program actually has to do with something called receptors. So you may be wondering why I'm not spending a lot of time just talking about the training. And that's because you can go anywhere and get a training program. You can go, I mean, anywhere online, you can see exercises all the time. Usually the two areas of highest deficit, you know, outside of just like terrible, terrible movement patterns, it's habits of nutrition and the lack of a habit of a recovery program. So just like my coach told me I had bad habits when I started training with him and he put me on the straight and narrow, taught me how to eat on and off season, taught me about supplementation, you know, worked with me as I was rotating days and nights because I was working at nighttime and then, you know, sleeping for a few hours and working at daytime and then getting my workouts in. It was a whole, I mean, he was like that adept and that fast, but I was also that engaged. So it wasn't like he was schlepping me along. Like I'm, I'm a hard driver on myself and I am like that on purpose because that's what I demand of myself, but also because I coach and train other individuals. So I cannot with clear conscience ever look 
at a prospective client or a current client and you know once you're my client like you basically are my client for life and and like bow out of the scenes of integrity and not hold myself to a high standard aesthetically athletically you know intensity or whatever because you're like a walking billboard for your brand do you know what i'm saying like the lines of integrity are huge so that's that's the standard that i hold myself to but back to like this whole element of the recovery program is that it usually is not even just a bad habit it's like overtly neglected and when you include that the the flexibility and the mobility but also our receptor protocol our sorry receptor clearance protocol you will find that your recovery times are quickened hastened they're 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 pretty speedy because again a lot of times people these days they're on their phones they're on tech all the time they're taking pre-workouts they're drinking caffeine or you know different let's call them accelerant sort of beverages and um they mentally are very very high strung you know there's a lot of crazy things happening in the world there's anxieties floating around and all kinds of stuff where people are basically living in fight or flight like all the time you have to allow your receptors to clear otherwise what happens is you move the needle from in muscular development we like to keep you on the positive side of anabolism so that you are always your muscles will start to degrade over time if you don't continuously challenge and feed them that's like that's like the line in the sand so we like to keep you on the positive side of anabolism you may not want to have you know you don't may not want to get huge but again athletic athletic performance it's underneath overt muscular development is this starting to make sense like our mindset over here is like anabolic like you're building stuff all the time because gravity is pulling on you so therefore you have to become stronger because the you know the effects of g-forces over time you get saggy shoulders your posture sags your skin sags like all this stuff so you're like you're fighting back against this so that you remain youthful and vital and healthy and fun loving and active and you know you can enjoy the hell out of life and also like power through life storms like that's all of it but a large component of this has you know has to do with allowing for receptor clearance so just a, this is like kind of like advanced geekiness but on your cells you have these little they kind of look like I, I you could call them like baskets the analogy i like to give you is a ferris wheel so picture a ferris wheel and i'm going to equate this to your cells well your cells have these little baskets and they grab on to different particles or chemicals or compounds so whether it's a glucose or insulin or growth hormone or um, adrenaline or any of like you know the the accelerants like that um, or stimulants like that that's it's called a receptor because it combines with this little molecule and that's why the body responds how it does you know to certain compounds if you're you know drinking you know a stimulant or something like that in short but the way that it works is very similar to like a ferris wheel that when the ferris wheel has all these little seats and if all the seats are full of people 
and down on the ground the ferris wheel is going around and around and then down on the ground you have like a line of people well the only way for the people who are in the line waiting to get on can actually get on the ferris wheel is for the people who are on the ferris wheel to actually get off right so on board off board on board off board well your receptors are like this too like it takes time to allow the receptors to actually clear well if you're operating in constant fight or flight all the time and um we do have on our website there's a a chapter one it's called nutrition for stressful times we touch on this a little bit there um, but obviously you learn more about this with your coach and you know different coaching programs and seminars and things like that um when you allow receptor clearance it actually allows you to recover and maximize your gains otherwise usually what happens is you start to feel and look real stringy like you feel strung out but you start to look real stringy Um, your adrenal glands they produce a stress buffering hormone but they can also um, kind of teeter and become overtaxed if you are not you know helping you're not supporting them like nutritionally but you're also not allowing for proper recovery from your workouts like especially if you're working and you know living a very very full life you know on top of all this stuff so those are some of like the geeky behind the scenes you know scientific whys as to yeah i guess the reason behind the the why we coach and train on those three pillars and why you know all the people that we work with regardless of the reason why they come to us for coaching training speaking consulting (coughs) they're always able excuse me to make you know just wonderful continually continual strong lasting progress it's not even just change it's it's progress like you're you're literally building a foundation that's as strong as if you've ever seen like a warehouse being built how you know the foundation is down then they've got those giant walls that come there are concrete and then they've got those support metal beams while they're setting it and they're like building the whole like that's what you're doing with the with everything muscular development so it doesn't matter where you're starting at like there's always a, a straight you know beeline into getting you up and and moving and feeling better and then keep on progressing but what i would encourage you to do is that number one you know cut out a majority of the time of like wandering in the wilderness by yourself you know coaches are there for a reason you know we love to help you champion your goals not by dragging your ass over the finish line you know your job you know people who coach and train with us they're they're accountable and they are looking for higher level skills um, even if this is a beginning point for them so a lot of it is education in you know getting you the right information correcting your bad habits and then you know empowering you to really own those so that you turn around then and you obviously like duplicate it out with you know people who are in your circle and you know your network you know because again your health is the vehicle for your life so that's our position with all of that stuff i hope that that 
you know, gave you some stronger insight into why we coach and train the facets that we do, but also really why our athletes love training with us and stay with us for a long time. It's because they make continual progress and just when they think that the you know they're at the maximum over there there's always something new and challenging and like super fun to to go after so hope everything is going great with you guys please do reach out to us you know if you've hit a plateau or you're looking to take your game to the next level it would be our honor to work with you make it a great day bye-bye Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Transformation Gold Podcast. I am your hostess and your coach. My name is Nicole DeVincentis. It is awesome, as always, to have you here with us, and it is certainly awesome to be here with you. So today, we are starting another series, and this one is going to focus and center around one of my most favorite topics in the whole entire world, and that is the topic of muscular development. So this little segment, we will have it as an intro to muscular development, and then we'll get into some of the pillars of it, you know, talk about exactly what that means, especially if you're a woman, what is all this chatter about muscular development, and let's just start things out straight out of the gate here and let you in. When you coach and you train with us, when we refer to muscular development, we don't mean that we're turning you into a bodybuilder. Unless, of course, you want to become one. Then, you know, obviously our programs work for that too. But around here, muscular development, all right, here's the definition. It is actually the umbrella term over all athletic goals. Okay, so we are actually more of a high-performance, athleticism-focused training academy. Okay, and this can be anything. This is strength, this is endurance, this is conditioning, this is muscle acquisition. This also includes things like speed, agility, explosivity. This includes mobility, flexibility, balance, control, coordination. All of those things that are really about the movement and the functionality and overall athleticism of your body, all of those fall underneath this umbrella heading of what we call muscular development. And why is that? Because the muscles, along with your bones of your skeleton, (laughs) form the foundation for you to be able to do purposeful movements in life. Like it sounds so basic, so simple, kind of crunchy and granola, but honestly, that's what it what it boils down to in terms of function and performance. Now, on the other side of the coin here is I will be the first to say, as a woman, I know how I like to look. I have athletic goals, I have aesthetic goals. All right, I don't want one, I don't want to have an athletic, or sorry, an aesthetic physique without the athletic ability to back it up. So I don't want to be skinny for sure. I don't, you know, I like having, you know, my muscles defined, but if I'm all fatigued and I'm weak and I have no muscular endurance or control, or I'm having 
energy crashes and I can't uphold my responsibilities as a business owner, as a family member, in sales, any level of production, whatever we're doing, serving the community or whatever, then I, I'm just not jiggy with it. I want, I want the whole thing, okay? Damn it, I want my cake and I want to eat it too. So you can totally do this. So there's a little bit of a mindset shift when you're viewing things now instead of being skinny or looking like a bikini girl or a fitness model or losing those last 15 pounds. Like all of that happens. But what I encourage you to do is something that's going to allow, for me, it was so much easier of a switch. When I started focusing on straight muscular development in its purest form, again, that's the umbrella over all the athletic goals, I am telling you, my levels of athleticism skyrocketed. God made me strong from the get-go, but I became stronger. I became stronger with deeper core control. My aesthetics started shaping up so much faster and I got so much tighter and leaner in through my waist and my hips and my glutes. The areas that normally for me come in, when I say come in, like they take shape last over the rest of my body. It, and by the time they got lean, my upper body was always too skinny. I felt like crap. There was, I was always on like this round and round cycle or circle where it never seemed like I could get things right. Something was always off. And I worked with some really great coaches who have helped me to break a lot of really bad habits, nutritionally, training wise. They taught me so much on how to take what is my natural form and then shape it into the beloved X frame, which I absolutely love. Um, But I had to also learn some of those little nuances and ways to finesse in training to highlight the feminine physique because I am so um, muscularly bound, if you will. So for me, if, you know, my legs have always been a very dominant, we'll get into more about muscular development, but maybe this, you know, you identify with this. My legs have always been a very dominant muscle group for me. And I can train them. I can go so heavy on them. I mean, it's it's actually kind of freaky, like how heavy I can go. And, you know, not that I ever, ever like compete with men, but just, you know, I my mind is always, if God gives you the gift, you're supposed to optimize it. So if he made my legs super strong, then somehow that means I'm supposed to, you know, use them as they are and I can make them stronger. Well, that's great and everything if you want to look like Quadzilla, but I don't. I mean, it's hard enough to find jeans as it is. I do not need any more difficulties trying to find jeans or any kind of pants that fit. And I want my physique. I like a symmetrical physique, meaning from an X-frame perspective, I like to have a well-developed set of shoulders. I like my arms to look like I work out. You know, I don't need them to look scary and like gritty and grainy and dry, 
But you know what I'm talking about when you see a woman who has a set of really great arms. She's got a sleeveless shirt on or even if she's wearing something that's even remotely form fitting that's long sleeved, you cannot hide a stellar physique like that. So I love the look of that. But I also really, really, really like a tiny waist. And then I love to have muscularity throughout my glutes and my quads and my hamstrings. And then God gave me, you know, really good calves. So I have to, I have to actually make sure that they don't get too big because again, my legs are really for me a muscular and more like a dominant muscle group for me. But over years I had to learn how to actually work with my body so that my legs, I just, I love training my legs to the point where it's psycho. And if you've ever had a leg day, and if you haven't, like welcome into our world, it's it's a love-hate relationship. You gotta train the legs because I'm telling you, when you train legs, it helps you to grow and strengthen your upper body. So they go together, but me, I swear to God, I'm like a psycho. When you train legs, you are literally in hell. And okay, so if you're on this and you've never done this before, this may not sound like the place that you want to go, but I promise you, it is the way that you, this is literally like (laughs) the highway to heaven. I mean, seriously, I'm telling you, you train your legs, but you're in hell. And for me, once I got the hang of some of these exercises and then actually learned how heavy I can actually train. It was so cool. But the thing was, is I didn't know, I never looked. So when I first started training legs, I was getting ready for uh, one of my very first figure competitions. And my coach, she just kept on putting these weight plates on there. And I really didn't know any better. I just was able to move all this weight. So she just kept on putting it on there. And then one day she was not there with me and I happened to look around and I saw that there were men who weren't putting on as many plates as me. And it really started making me think like, what's wrong here? (laughs) Am I that strong? Are they just weak? Are they just half-assing something? What? I don't even know what the heck is going on. But for me, I had to learn how to, it's not balance. It is definitely not balance. How can I train myself so that I can train like a psycho? And when you train like a psycho, you're basically putting yourself in hell and you're staying in hell and you're living in hell. And then you're supposed to come out of hell, but you get like so into this and you just love it so much because you hate it and love it at the same time and if you've ever done this you know exactly what I'm talking about and it pisses you off that you're not as strong or you can't finish all the reps and you're just like it's kicking your ass and you're kind of just like it's all these feels all at one time and there's like a time like you're supposed to come out of hell but then at the end like if you didn't finish it like I like to finish my workouts strong like I like to finish them strong and then that's actually when my workouts begin this is me I'm like 
I told you I'm a psycho when I train. And when I get to the point where I'm strong, I actually add more workout on. So for me, it's not uncommon if on a day off where I'm not at work for me to be in the gym two to three hours training because I have made it <laughs> myself. I've built this machine that once I get to a point where I'm feeling really strong and I could literally like I've put in the work I could actually leave I force myself that's when the workout actually begins and so then I take myself to the actual end where I literally have nothing left and I will sit you know on the floor for a couple minutes and kind of regroup and then just have this very you know harsh conversation with myself and call myself all kinds of names and just be like you know quit acting like you know a crybaby and freaking I make myself do at least one or two more ridiculously heavy sets until I have nothing left like the song from Eminem till I collapse is literally like my theme song when it comes to training and the cool thing is that you know I started out by telling you like if you're training legs for me legs was this you know dominant muscle group and my legs you know used to get so big and puffy and it was just unbalanced and unsymmetrical with the size of the rest of my frame but what I've learned over time is I can do volume I can go actually pretty heavy Um, I'll do a couple sets that are like super heavy just because I love to do that because I'm a psycho and I love being in hell but I will back off on the on the amount of poundage that I'm moving. It's still significantly heavy and I will force myself. I will do all kinds of stuff to keep the muscles under tension so that I have both muscle acquisition and a high level of muscular conditioning occurring at the same time. So the muscles, you know, they don't get big and puffy. What they actually do is as you're growing more muscle, they become super, super dense and very, very, very conditioned. So your recovery time increases, but by increasing the conditioning and the density of the muscles, that's where the curves and the lines, like the cuts in your muscles come in. And I know everyone has different appreciation for how much of that stuff they like, but I'm telling you, there is nothing, especially when you're tan. And if you catch, you know, a, a glimpse of yourself or you know a, a person in a magazine whose physique you're just like gosh they look so freaking good those cuts and I know that there's you have a hard time believing anything that you see online anymore even in magazines because they can photoshop and there's filters and you know there's implants that people can put in but there are actual real live human beings walking around that have muscular definition cuts and are very 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 high performance athletes and it's it's phenomenal and why because it's the concept of muscular development and perhaps for you if you're new into this world you know working legs and going to hell and then staying in hell and then training in hell for longer when you should come out maybe that doesn't sound like fun to you but I do coach and train people of all different levels and skill sets and let's call it psychoses that and women you know who just are built this way and you know we just we love to train but the secret is when you're especially a woman is how do you maintain your sense of femininity while you're doing this 
Um, not while you're training, but you know, during the training process towards, you know, whatever your goals and aspirations are, um, how do you maintain a tiny waist when you are lifting heavier? Um, cause a lot of times what I do see is I see women who are training with men and sometimes other women, but mostly with men, if they're going to the gym or working out, you know, with their husbands or their boyfriends, or even some trainers, they don't have the correct information on how to dial in the feminine physique so that you have like waist whittling occurring. What happens with these girls is they really, it's actually sad. What happens with them is number one, they start to get very blocky looking. They don't necessarily have the curves, but the other thing, which is so much harder to correct is they start becoming trained into what I call trap dominance. So this may be jumping ahead. I promise we're going to unpack this whole, you know, enigma of muscular development here. But, you know, once I hit a topic that I really, really love talking about, like, let's just press the accelerator and let's go. So if you look at an anatomy chart, and if this is, again, your first stepping into muscular development, I encourage you to become familiar with muscles on your body. So, you know, nine times out of 10, if you do an engine search on muscles on the body, there's really not a whole lot, you know, of falsities that people can make up about that, you know, but look at a Gray's Anatomy book or something like that, and you're going to see muscles on the back. And one of the, the primary muscles on the back is something called your trapezius. And your trapezius is this really pretty, it's a diamond shaped muscle, and it attaches to the base of your skull, and then it branches outwards kind of like towards the back of each of your shoulders and then the base of the diamond if you will it attaches um, below your neck like the upper let's call it the upper almost like where your bra strap a little bit higher than where your bra strap sits and so back there when you see you know anybody and and they have this diamond shaped muscle back there that's the trapezius well when women train with men a lot of times what happens, um, men are very, they become what I call trap dominant. And what happens is men are, I don't know if this is a genetic thing or what, but men are primarily what I call upper body expressive. And you can see this, you know, high fives, fist bumps, you know, they run, they jump, they bump chests, like all that kind of stuff. They're upper body expressive. And when you, when you like slow mo their, um, the motions, what you'll actually see is the traps starting to the upper traps, the part about the, the upper traps are between your shoulders and then the base of your skull. You'll see those muscles fire first, and then you'll see their arms go up in the air. And a lot of men gauge strength and power and swollness over having really thick and chunky, super developed traps. So there's like this, this, Thing that's going on where a thicker neck, you know, is a sign of manliness and big traps, a sign of strength. And I'm all about that. Um, what I noticed over the years was this, gosh, this is probably like 10 years ago already. I used to teach yoga 
And I started out actually teaching yoga in the fire service. And so that being, there's women in the fire service, but it's still primarily a male-dominated industry. Um, I would notice different things about, you know, where do their injuries come from? When they're doing these yoga movements, I noticed that they were leading a lot of movements with their traps. And then when I would watch them out on the fire ground, or if they were doing any kind of like emergency, you know, extrication of somebody who's in a car accident and they have, you know, things called like the jaws of life. I noticed that they were trying to uh, almost like manhandle the equipment with their traps rather than letting the equipment do the work for them. And so I was working with the fire service on how to curtail some of, you know, their most, most lethal injuries, cardiovascular disease being one of the first, but then also the things that caused them to be out of, out of service for a while. So whether that slips, trips and falls, um, but also injuries and a big injury with them has like shoulder injuries. And so when you kind of put all this together, you know, being trap dominant and the way that they were leading their movements was taglining into that. Well, you know, reputations get spread around and somehow I was invited to then start teaching at this, um, gym where next door there was an MMA um, gym, if you would, like an ultimate fighter sort of place. And so some of those guys would actually come over after their workout to come to my yoga sessions. And then what I noticed with those guys was that when, again, we were in different poses and I would have them move and granted, like MMA fighters, like they're so fast, like they, they move at lightning speed that I could see how they were actually, their traps were firing fast and it was taking them out of the stretch. And so I started this whole concentrated study, if you would, on trap dominance and really started observing different people in different situations as to how, you know, the trapezius muscle was starting to become one of the leading muscles to take over different movements. And especially in today's world where people are at a desk or at a computer and they're kind of getting hunched over, like you're starting to see this whole trap dominance thing present itself in a different way. Well, I don't sit at the gym and watch people because I really am there. I'm in my own zone. I may see something if um, I'm moving from you know a piece of equipment to a piece of equipment or if I'm at the last part of my workout, as I told you, and I'm in that recovery mode for the last, you know, couple minutes before I do those last two sets, you know, cause I'm in hell and I want to stay in hell and it's time to come out of hell, but I just want to stay there and kind of finish up, you know, and dealing with the, you know, the beast and, and knocking them into submission. Um, I notice what people do and I notice that when girls are training like that, they also become trap dominant their figures become blocky, they become trap dominant. And I see this with a lot of the women that I coach now is their trap dominant, super strong. They can do pull-ups and chin-ups and push-ups and, you know, some of like the major moves, strength moves. But when it comes to correcting, first of all, their posture, Second of all, they're hitting these plateaus, both aesthetically and athletically, 
because the traps are taking over all of the movements. The whole middle aspect of their back is, it's not even, it's like they have no mind-muscle connection back there. So the whole middle uh, back development is just on hold, if you would, because majority of the muscle working is upper trap. And then it kind of blocks things down. And then a lot of these girls who are highly trap dominant do not have great glute or leg development. Because again, even when they're squatting, you can see them start to drive the bar up with their traps. And so what happens is they get very frustrated um, they're not able to bust through, you know, plateaus, both how they look and how they're performing in the gym. They get very, very frustrated and it goes back to, you know, these training patterns, which become habits over time. So then, you know, they become very sad. Then they stop lifting. Then they go and do cardio thinking, gosh, now I just have to like tone up my, my bottom half, but they don't have enough muscle down there. And so now they're like maxing out on their cardio and then they start depleting their, their calories out because they're not tightening up as well as some of the things on the upper body are. And then they're hitting these plateaus all the time and they feel like crap. And so you see these bouncing back and forth and I understand exactly how they feel. I used to be in a similar like relentless endless like psycho cycle of never being able to hit that mark of having a really you know I want the upper and the lower to both be well-defined super strong mobile flexible agile all these things through all facets of life and I don't want to I can't be operating in a constant caloric deficit all the time because you know there's life outside the gym and you know there's a lot of it to live so you know if that kind of sounds you you relate to any of that then you know welcome to this podcast we're going to be talking about the elements of muscular development and here i'm going to repeat the definition here muscular development is that umbrella term that houses all athletic goals muscle acquisition strength speed agility explosivity conditioning endurance flexibility mobility balance um, control um, coordination all of those things are housed underneath this umbrella term of muscular development and again muscular development does not mean you're going to turn into a bodybuilder okay i am a bodybuilder but you do not have to be one, okay? You have to know what it is that you're aspiring to become, um, what it is you wanna look like, how you want your body to perform, and what I would invite you to do is look down the road of the path that you're on right now and look at the best of the best in your training genre and look at two things number one their physique and number two their athletic performance okay so the track that you're on right now the path that you're on right now as you're looking down it over the course of time the best of the best on your current path you typically won't you'll typically start shaping into them does that make sense so if you are a distance runner, 
okay? Look at the best of the best, the distance runners, most of them, not the skews on the bell curve, but most of them. And I'm thinking um, the Olympic marathoners or somebody like that. I, I don't know. I don't see a whole lot of them having a lot of muscular development. And again, depends on what you're competing for, but let's take marathoners. And you know, the goal is to win the marathon. Most of them do not have a lot of muscle, like sitting on their frame. A lot of them are really, really skinny. So is that what you want to become? And if that's the answer, then great, then have at it. But if you're here because you want to look curvier, you want to have cuts, you want to have some, I'm going to call it like voluptuous muscle. You know, I think muscle is beautiful. You know, I think there's, for me, on my personal frame, there's an upper limit of how much muscle I want to carry. Um, I, I love looking like, I love looking sexy. And for me, I don't want to lose my femininity. I love being a woman. Um, but I also, again, God made me strong. I love training like an absolute beast. So how can you have the best of both worlds? And what I would say is when you travel the avenues of muscular development, you are going to see three pillars, at least when you coach and you train with us. Okay. So there's three pillars of muscular development and they're training, nutrition, and recovery. All right. And they all work together. You're not doing one in exclusion of the other. So the training, the nutrition, and the recovery. Now let's step through this here. Um, Muscular development in my eyes is wildly important, not just because of how you look physically, although that is like, that's like awesome sauce. I mean, let's be real here. When you can look at yourself in the mirror and be proud of the work that you have done and the results that like, I don't care what anybody says, like there's, it's such a really great feeling because you know, like you're impressed with what you see, but you also know you did the work to get there. So you're backing it up. Do you know what I'm saying? Like this isn't just smoke and mirrors. This isn't just what what people call, they call it catfishing today where some of these women are wearing this makeup and they don't, they don't look anything like themselves by the time the whole makeup deal is done. Like I don't even know, but you like, you cannot hide a physique. Like the results are there. You did the work. So there's a lot of confidence that comes out of that because you adhered to a program you're implementing and you're executing the habits of consistency, right? There's discipline in that and you are doing it probably even when you don't feel like doing it, it becomes a habit. This is who you're becoming. And here are your results. Like you don't even have to talk. People can just look at you and they know like you're the real deal. All right. There's a lot to be said about that when those types of results are showing up. Um, but with all of this, this is usually happening unless fitness is literally like your for your full-time gig and you don't do anything else. You do not have a business. You don't have a training, um, 
roster where you're training other individuals, you're not working in any sort of anybody else's company, you don't have a family that you're responsible for, like all you do is work out and then you go home and you sit on the couch and then eat and then the next, I don't know how you finance yourself, but if unless that's you, okay? Every, the rest of us, like we're busy. There's things that we are out attacking there's more life to live there's more goals to to hit and you know a lot of fun to be had along the way and it doesn't matter how old you are like muscular development is that core function that you know what i hear a lot of people saying once they hit it's gosh i even hear 20 year olds saying it nowadays like oh my god i like i can't move i can't get up off the floor you know my bones i'm just super tight i feel like shit blah blah blah, blah. oh my gosh like i who wants to live like that you know i there's always seasons in your life where like shit just gets real Okay, and stuff happens, and you've whatever happens, you got your ass kicked, you, you 20 steps backwards. But the cool thing about the human body is that if you woke up, you legit can change all of that stuff. You can not only just get back to where you were, you can continue to get better through all decades of life. I was just watching this thing the other day. I like to look for different coaches and stuff online. And this one gentleman was helping a 96-year-old grandma. 96. Like, she came to the gym. She had a belt on. She was deadlifting. I think she had 25 pounds on each side of the bar. So 45 pounds, she was doing 90 pounds, probably weighed more than her. She's 96 years old. She's like this tiny little grandma, but she was tired of falling down and having her bones break. So she just decided, (laughs) F this shit. (laughs) So she started weight training and she was so cute because she had like her little rouge on. She had her little lipstick on, like her little outfit. I mean, she didn't have like fitness clothes on. She had like a t-shirt and like that kind of stuff. But I mean, she was in there and she was deadlifting. I mean, so literally it does not matter how old you are. This stays with you. The cool thing about the human body is that you continue to produce growth hormone, even though as your doctors are testing you, you know, things start to change as you get a little bit older. But I would also challenge the point to say that a lot of people when they're having blood work tested and stuff, they are backing away on levels of activity that they have done. I think that once you get to a certain financial state, what I've noticed a lot of people do is they they take the foot off the accelerator and they start to live an easier life. And so you're not as like vital. You're not moving and doing this stuff. I'm not saying that you have to work, you know, I mean, thinking about, you know, if you're doing manual labor, maybe you're not doing that, but like athleticism, like it keeps you young and vibrant. And when you're a woman, muscular development, like weight training, resistance training, band training, 
higher levels of athletic performance. It's literally like the fountain of youth. It makes your skin glow. It facilitates cell turnover so that your skin doesn't get ruddy looking. Like your eyes have a sparkle in them. It helps your nails grow, your hair grow. I mean, it's just like, it's so awesome. And it's so fun to know that however old you are, it literally doesn't matter what all the other people are saying because you're out here spitting out results. Do you know what I'm saying? Like you are not just like walking the talk, like you're not even talking, you're just showing up, you're kicking ass and you're getting the results because you've committed yourself to the work. But it's the three pillars. It's the training, it's the nutrition, and then this is the part that's missed by most people. It's the recovery aspect. So when you're training, yes, this is weight training. This is, you know, cardiovascular training. For me, it's sprinting. I cannot stand long endurance, drawn out running, especially for no reason. Like I just, I'm sorry. I I have zero, zero. When I say zero, I mean zero interest in ever doing that. One year, I'll never forget this. My um, younger sister, she was running a marathon and she was starting to have some problems where she didn't think she was going to finish. So I jumped in. um, I was there just to see her and support her. And I jumped in and ran with her the last nine miles in. And then she ran like the last, I think it was a quarter mile into, you know, the finish line. And it wasn't that it was hard. It was just, it just... It sucked. I think I was just more bored. I'm like, how long is this going to go on for? I mean, it was just like, <laughs> excuse me. I didn't train for it. I think the longest that I ever ran at that point was probably like three miles. And even that, I'm like, I am like, this is like mind numbingly boring to me. I don't care about seeing birds in trees. I don't care about that. I literally do not. I love the type of training where you go in there and you are like running, sprinting up hills. You are doing high knees. You are training yourself to run like Walter Payton. You're doing stairs. You're doing grapevines. You're uh, all kinds of stuff like, like a maniac. Like your heart is like pounding out of your chest. I love heavy exertional training, but that's just me. That may not be you. So maybe this is a new world for you. Again, like I tend to ebb at the, you know, one end of the continuum again, where I train like a psycho and I go into hell and I stay in hell. And even when it's time to come out of hell, I want to stay in there a little bit longer just because I don't want to hear that squeaky little biatch inside of my head who's crying out like, oh my God, this is it. No, she has got to, like, this is it. Like my mind is going to squash her. And then any of the remaining little demons who are flying around in my head, like they are all standing at attention and no one is saying shit anymore because this is what's going down. Like that is that. But I will tell you, it's not always easy. (laughs) You wake up sometimes. Like for me right now, I train usually before I go to work, which means the training, the nutrition, the recovery, those three pillars, there's... They put you in a a schedule 
which is a very good thing because I, I'm telling you, when you can discipline yourself in the area of fitness, I say this all the time, you can literally discipline yourself in any other area. This is one of the reasons why when people coach and train with me, um, people have come to me for organizational leadership coaching over the years and um, I always run it side by side with at least a nutritional program because it literally helps to iron out creases and like scraggly little tangents that the brain goes on. Like you want to draw yourself into attention so that you're able to attack everything and have each action that you're doing, each exercise that you're doing, each, if you want to call it an intervention, like nutrition is, I guess at one point, like an intervention, you want all this stuff to work together as like multi-purpose tools so that you have maximum benefit with, without having to drag this stuff out over time. You know, like now I'm going to train and now I'm going to go home and now I'm going to go eat and now I'm going to go home and now I'm going to sit here and allow my receptors to clear. Like I, for me, I don't have time for all that. So as, as time has evolved here, systems and processes have definitely tightened up to allow myself to train really heavily before I go to work. But that usually means that I'm recovering from my workouts as my workday is just getting started or that first third of the workday. So there's an important key here and that is how do you then transfer, like I call it my transition period where I step out of that bestiality primal side and back into femininity and creativity and great communication and articulation and you know people skills. Um, but you have to have a high attention, a high degree of attention towards your nutritional program because when you get to that really exciting point where you've got your metabolism rocking and your muscles are working and they're growing and you just came out of the gym and basically assassinated them, they start their repair and those muscles are highly dependent on what you are feeding them in order to replace what you lost during the workout, but then also supply it with additional surplus, you know, not to the point where you get fat, but additional surplus because the remodeling period begins when your workout is, when the exercises are complete. So what happens is muscular development, those three pillars, the training, the nutrition, and the recovery, they start, like it's a time clock that goes continuously, you know, from midnight to midnight to midnight to midnight to midnight, like the clock never stops. And that's why I say the body doesn't operate on a bureaucratic time clock, because when you understand that you can actually get your body to, pro to produce and perform in ways that other people's cannot or will not, um, you just have to have the, the wherewithal that how you are feeling today is usually based on what you ate yesterday and the level of activity that you did yesterday and or how much sleep you got. 
like it all builds together. So the body fuels forward. So meaning like your energy that you have now is based on what you ate yesterday. And if you are working a, a training program with a nutritional program, the training program consumes the nutrients. And so you have to, like your nutritional program has to start to step up because you're not training, like you're not implementing just like healthy um, eating habits, if you would, whether you're just dialing in like habits of consistency and, you know, leveling off your blood sugars and practicing, you know, really good hydration practices. What you're doing now is you are building a, a rock solid foundation where those pillars of training and nutrition, like they are together. The nutrition builds into the training then the training requires you to build up more nutrition. So it, it starts to become like a snowball, if you would. But I can't, something better than a snowball. A snowball can melt. This, it's, it's just like a strong freaking concrete pillar that, that gets, like you are building yourself rock solid. Well, what can happen then is if you are not attentive to what your body and particularly your muscles need, to recover from the workout. So like for me, I, you know, I used to work a job where I was like a clock in clock out, like hourly. And then I also had jobs where I was salaried, but I, I had a lot of control over the time. I don't have, uh, right now I, I work on projects and so I typically don't always, I don't have that nine to five or that straight calendar. I'm working on sharpening it up, but there are times when my days go longer than what were anticipated and you know, I'm on a computer more than I would like to be, you know, or I'm on, you know, my phone like I'm on electronics and when you're in a working environment, you have to be cognizant of the fact that what actually starts is a second training period. So let's say like for me, you are, I hope this is making sense to you. We're talking about timeline here of the three pillars of muscular development, the training, the nutrition, and the recovery. So like for me, I train before I go to work in the morning on days where, where I have to be, you know, at a job where I have appointments. Well, then, you know, I come home and shower and get ready for the day and I, you know, have my meal and then, you know, away I go. That is the the recovery period from my workouts but now I'm actually in a second training period if you would in that I'm working and so I had to learn a way different I guess model and strategy for fueling myself now having I used to train after work now I train before work how do I eat before I go to bed so that I have enough energy when I go to the gym in the morning? Um, what was my workout the day before? What was my workload the day before? Did I train legs? Like, there's a, so much that factors into this. I really had to improve my nutritional game, and I cannot, I cannot stress to you enough how important it is to switch your mindset from fat loss into 
what's essentially muscle acquisition, um, muscular conditioning, but it's it's still muscular development. When you, and I'm, I'm speaking, I know this touches both men and women, but specifically, I, I, I'm a woman, I know. You're always thinking about or worrying about getting fat, if that's your body type. I know there's other women who, gosh, you can't gain weight, like, you're built like, you know, a little birdie. You got these tiny little, you know, birdie legs or whatever. Different problem. But still, even with that body type, oftentimes what we see is there's this fear or worry about if I eat too much, I'm going to start to get fat. And when you're focused on consistent, like fat loss, it actually puts you, I'm going to give you an analogy here to, so that you understand why we coach um, how we do, is that there's, there's two ways of being or attacking or handling like the sports. Let's do this. So there's offense and there's defense, okay? Muscle acquisition, muscular development, where your focus is on gains, G-A-I-N with a Z, like gains, your muscular gains, your athletic gains, your speed gains, agility gains, like all that, you're focusing on gains. That is acquisition, that is an offensive strategy, okay? Conversely, massive amounts of cardio, reducing fat, stripping fat, losing weight, getting rid of the body fat, that is operating in elimination, that's like, it's a defensive strategy when you focus on that. So typically what happens is that when individuals first step into like health and fitness, unless they're the rip the bandaid off type of people, which that's me, I am a rip the bandaid type, like rip the bandaid off type of chick. I Give me the whole damn thing. I'm going to do it. It's going to be messy as shit, but I'm going to tackle this stuff. I'm going to attack it and I'm going to get it in order. And it, this is how it's going to be because I am not drawing this out over time. Okay. Time is the most precious commodity. My time is very valuable. I am not investing all this time in like drawing this. No, I want my results the sooner the better. Okay. And not unrealistic. I, I am committed. Like I'm going to get all this shit organized so that I can start building the physique that I want, building the levels of athleticism that I want, building the pipeline that I want, building my life the way that I want, building my house the way that I want, whatever it is. It's, it's a builder's mentality. Do you see what I'm saying? When you are only in, I want to get rid of this fat and that's usually when people are first stepping into health and fitness and nutrition and stuff. They're usually there. The driver is usually two things. One, they feel like shit. Number two, you know, they'll tell you, well, I look horrible. I've got all this fat on my body. I want to get rid of this. You know, my ass is fat. My abs are fat, blah, 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 all this stuff. So they're worried about the fat loss all the time. Once we get, and this happens in just a matter of weeks, literally weeks, the energy levels are not only just normalized, but they're higher than they were before. Like when you eat better, you feel better. When you feel better, you do better. And we start to create what's called metabolic trust. That happens almost exclusively through the avenue of nutrition, through the habits of consistency coupled with um, your nutrition. Your body is just like, oh, hey, look at this. He or she like 
it's feeding me now. This is kind of nice, actually. I have nutrients. I have energy. Oh, wow, look at this. I've got water. Like, my body can, you know, have all the chemical reactions in it. It's, I can make hormones, and I can make proteins, and I can do all the stuff I'm supposed to do. This is la la. This is super fun. Your body starts moving that way. Well, then always comes the next step where you literally have this bounding energy that, you know, it's built up inside of your body. And since energy cannot be, you know, created or destroyed, like it merely changes form. The energy that's inside of you is potential energy. It wants to move into the kinetic form. So then you'll say like, oh my gosh, I want to start walking. I can't believe this. I never thought I would say this before. I actually kind of want to start running. Oh my gosh. Like I actually want to start moving now. I think I want to lift this weight. Like that's literally how the human body is designed. It doesn't matter how old you are. Like this is literally like the path of progression. But the key is when you're doing this, unless you have a lot of command over the structure of your day, okay, then this becomes easier. But for those of us, if you're working in sales, you're a business owner and early parts of business ownership, not when you have all of your teams and your systems in place and everything, like you're running or working on the business, but you're not in it anymore. Different story. You have to be attentive to the fact that while you're training and you're nourishing yourself, there's this element of recovery. So the question becomes, how do you recover your body? How do you allow for receptor clearance when you're now stepping into the workforce and you're on tech, you're hitting the highlight like the addiction centers of the brain, your receptors are continually saturated, you know, you're drinking coffee or energy drinks or you're taking different supplements all this kind of stuff like you never really allow the body to recover itself naturally so when you're in the world of muscular development like if you can you know cinch that like it's like a corset like you tie those three pillars up together and like you cinch it you get like the most beautiful physique and it's not like now I've lost the weight and now I have to start building muscle. And now it doesn't happen like that. What happens is that when you truly attack muscular development, it's the training, which is both cardio and weight training. It's the nutrition and the recovery. Your body starts becoming what it really is. It's an anabolic machine and it starts producing the hormones that your body needs to produce to get like to keep you alive, to keep your energy levels great, to keep your thyroid functioning, to keep your, your adrenals happy, all the stuff that you need to be a healthy, vibrant individual, but it keeps you like humming along, like it drives your metabolism, you get to eat more food, you start feeling better and you make exponential gains, you're changing body composition. So instead of like first remove fat, then install muscle, like what we're actually doing is we're installing muscle and because muscle has a higher caloric burn than the other body tissues, the amount of fat that you have on your frame actually becomes displaced. Like you automatically start burning the fat, if you will, releasing fat from your frame and you're replacing you know, some of these areas with muscle. And then over time as we're conditioning those muscles, you're going to start to see like your clothes fit different. 
your your tops are going to get tighter up in the shoulders because you're developing beautiful, gorgeous, and sexy shoulders. I mean, there's a lot strapless dress hello like how beautiful is that like if you're walking behind a woman and she's got like some cuts to her shoulders and you can see like where her tricep like it's almost like it pinches in underneath that rear delt I mean how beautiful it's beautiful like the human body is like flipping gorgeous and you can have all that stuff but all of that comes the lines the curves the cuts the way that you know clothing fits a frame that's muscularly developed versus one that looks like Skeletor. You know, and everybody has you know their own you know you develop your body how you want to. But this is Muscular Development Academy over here, and what I'm the point I'm trying to make is that it's the three pillars. That's if you want the quote unquote secret sauce. It's not one style of training or one exercise or one nutrition program. It's all three things. It's the training, it's the nutrition, and then the recovery together. Does that make sense? So this is like such a, this is a vast topic, like seriously, one of my favorites, clearly. But let's build this series out. Let's talk a little bit about more, you know, about how some of this stuff works so that you'll understand the coaching concepts, the methodologies that we have. And probably you'll be able to see, not probably you'll be able to, you will definitely be able to see that distinction between what a lot of um, common core trainers or information out there may be telling you and how you can actually take this to this uh, to the next level work a lot more intelligently and efficiently so that you have greater gains um, without backstepping I'm not going to say in a faster time you will have them in a faster time but your hard-earned gains will be long-lasting. You won't be like a one-and-done. Does that make sense? So we'll close this. We'll close this episode out, and then we'll open up with the next episode. Here we're in the middle of our series on muscular development. Thanks for joining. We'll catch you on the next one. Bye bye.